<clears throat> All right, so we finally, well, we've made it to the triple digits of slides on the attributes of God now. So um, finally getting a, a halfway decent understanding, I feel like, of God. But um, tonight we're going to talk about two of them that are so obvious we miss them a lot of times. Um, but first of all, we're doing this, uh, uh, learning about the attributes of God because we're actively seeking and accurately understanding who God is. Uh, we'll prom promote high and holy living uh, because every aspect of our lives are reflective of our view of God. An accurate understanding of God is foundational to how we know Him, worship Him, serve Him, and become more like Him. And I feel like I say this about every week, but I feel like these two attributes really show a high and holy living if, if we understand it good and it does uh, the the foundation of knowing these two does those four things easily in our lives um, but we are talking about the faithfulness and goodness of God um, I wish I could have just sat up here and read Pink's chapter on faithfulness to God to, there is a lot of quotes in here um, but it was so good, so refreshing to, to look at it in depth with him. So, And this is the very first part of um, that chapter. It says, In the business world, a man's word is, with exceedingly rare exceptions, no longer his bond. In the social world, marital infidelity abounds on every hand. The sacred bonds of wedlock uh, being broken with as little regard as the discarding of an old garment. In the eschatological uh, realms, thousands who solemnly covenanted to preach the truth make no scruple to attack and deny it, nor can reader or writer claim complete immunity from this fearful sin. In how many ways have we been unfaithful to Christ? and to the light and privileges which God has entrusted to us. How refreshing then, <clears throat> how unspeakably blessed to lift our eyes above the scene of ruin <clears throat> and behold the one who is faithful, faithful in all things and faithful at all times. So that's the very first four or five sentences of the chapter and you're like, okay, we're in for it here. Uh, and, it, and it is. Um, it's amazing to, to look at the faithfulness of God the way that He does. Um, we look at it as God uh, kind of explains to us His faithfulness in Deuteronomy 7, 9. It says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant and His faithfulness to a thousand generations for those who love Him and keep His commandments. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that He would lie nor a son of man, that he could change his mind. He has said, or has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? So this is one of those, even better than, you know, if God says it, you can take it to the bank type deal. He is faithful to make sure that it comes to, uh, comes to pass, um, and his, his faithfulness is eternal. It's never going to end. Um, you know, in Numbers 23 there, there's a lot of the attributes there that, you know, God is not man that he, he could lie. He can't change his mind. Um, if he says he'll do it, it will be done. 
and all a lot of these are kind of all tied together. Um, you know, his immutability. You know, if he wasn't faithful, then yeah, he could change, or he could change his mind. Uh, so a lot of these are tied together. Um, um, and if God's faithful, you know, if He's no longer faithful to His word, anything. If there's one thing that He's no longer faithful on, He's not a God that we can trust, and therefore He's not God. Uh, so His faithfulness is a huge, huge attribute um, that we hold on to. Um, here are some examples of Him fulfilling uh, promises or being faithful to His promises. Uh, Genesis 8.22 says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So as long as we have earth, we're, we're going to have seasons. We're going to have daytime and nighttime, um, harvest time, planting time. And that was Genesis 8. So however many thousands of years that's been since that's been written, God's proven to be faithful. 15.13 says, Then God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, uh, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterwards they will come out of the, with many possessions. Uh, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation they will return here for the wrongdoing of the Amorite is not yet complete. So what is this in reference to? Captivity. Yeah, captivity in Egypt. So that happened, which we're not, well, God was faithful in that. That's not really the part, you know, that we're having that he did, they did go into captivity. Um, but in Exodus 12, 40, says, Now the time... Uh, that the sons of Israel had lived in Egypt was 430 years. And at the end of the 430 years, on the very day, all the multitudes of the Lord departed from the land of Egypt. Exodus says to the very day. So he fulfilled that promise of bringing the people out of Egypt. He was faithful. And then he has this short little sentence that I don't know why... It spoke so much to me, but he says, No one ever yet really trusted him in vain. No one ever who ever put their trust in God did it in vain because it's always come to pass if you truly trust him. And so, um, I think we, I mean, this is the whole aspect or attribute of God that, um, It's, it, we think about it and we're like, we're good with it. We understand it. But rarely do we act upon it. Okay. Pink says, but it is one thing to accept the, faithful, the faithfulness of God as a divine truth. It is quite another to act upon it. Okay. So, and it's the basis of all of our confidence. Um, I mean, how can you have confidence in a God if he's not faithful? Okay, and once that's gone, there is no trust. There is no confidence in that God. But it's one thing to say, oh yeah, we accept God's faithfulness 
and it's another to actually act upon it and really just let God handle things like he said he's going to and not try to say, well, I think we need to do it this way. I think it would be better if we did it this way. No, God's faithful. He's going to work it out. It's, you know, it's all going to work out the way he says it is. So it's really hard to act upon the faithfulness of God for us. Um, and this is really, <clears throat> I mean, honestly, it's the, the whole thing, like, we, we talk about it before, but, you know, we're standing before God at judgment, and what are we going to say? You know, we've, everybody's been asked that question. What are you going to say? And honestly, I've thought about it several times, and I'm just going to, I mean, my whole thing is, but you said, like, you said Christ's sacrifice was sufficient. I'm trusting that what you said is enough. You're, you're faithful, God. Remember, you said this. This is enough. And that's it. I mean, I don't have anything to bring for him. All I can hope and trust in is that he is faithful to accept Christ as the sacrifice, as the propitiation of my sin. And so really that's all we have to go before God and, and hope for salvation is that he's still faithful. Um, Psalms 119, 138 says, You are righteous, Lord, and your judgments are right. You have commanded your testimonies in righteousness and great faithfulness. So this is, uh, I kind of found this one kind of weird um, because we don't want, we normally think about, we think about God's faithfulness and all the good things, but he's also faithful in what we would consider bad things, okay? Like his judgment. He is going to carry that out. Um, but it says that, uh, he said, uh, Pink said, God not only told us the best, but he did not withhold the worst. He told us about hell. He told us about a life of disobedience and showed us with Israel for all the Old Testament, this is what a life of disobedience to me looks like. Um, and then you look at, you know, all the way back to the fall, you know, the ruin there. Um, the sinful state of, of mankind, um, and even his hatred of evil. I mean, that's one of the things, like, he hates evil so much that it must be punished. Sin is going to be punished. The sinner is going to be punished. Um, Hebrews, you know, says he is a consuming fire. He is going to consume. Um, and so we don't... I said, we don't always think of it, especially with me pairing it with faithfulness and goodness. <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to think about him being faithful in, in those not-so-good things that we think about. But if God's not faithful in those type things, he wouldn't be found faithful in the others. So um, there is the punishment for sin, and he will fulfill that. Um, um, 1 Corinthians 1.8 says, uh, Who will also confirm you to the end, blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the confidence of the believer. As God, you said you would keep us. We trust in Jesus Christ and that's what we've done. 
we're completely relying on your faithfulness of who you are. Um, which is, a, I mean, it makes us look like we're helpless, and we are. But to know that God remains faithful, we don't have any worry there. We never have to worry about our salvation in that. Because God has, since the beginning of time, or displayed His faithfulness to us, to mankind, to creation, everything. Um, so it's very um, calming to know that our salvation rests in God's faithfulness. And all we have to do is trust He is who He says He is, trust what He said about His Son. That's it. We're good. Um, another long quote from here from Pink says, The apostles' confidence, talking about Paul, uh, in the absolute security of believers was founded not on the strength of their resolutions or ability to persevere, but on the veracity of him that cannot lie. Since God has promised to his son a certain people <clears throat> for his inheritance to deliver them from the sin and condemnation and to make them participants of eternal life in glory, it is certain that he will not allow any of them to perish. If God was to let one of them perish, he's not faithful. And yet we know that that doesn't happen, that God is faithful that not a single one of them will perish. So as far as trying to compartmentalize, I guess, doing systematics here, coming to salvation, faithfulness is my favorite attribute of God, knowing that He is faithful in it. Um, sovereignty would obviously be in there. Um, but if I was going to bank on one thing, I'm going to go and say, you're, you are who you say you are. You're faithful and just, and I'm trusting in that and what you said about your son. That's it. That's all I got, God. Um, and there, you know, there's, I couldn't even started to list all the ones, all the promises that have been kept. Um, and even... In our own lives, I mean, we can sit back and, you know, if we actually sat down and thought about it for any length of time, we should be able to think of multiple instances where God's been faithful. Um, you know, He's never uh, let us down. You know, we've never trusted in vain one time. He's always come through. Um and this kind of goes back to one of the things that we really probably don't think about a whole lot. Um, but, well, oh, let's just see if y'all can pick it out here. Um, Psalms 89.30. What does this say about God's uh, faithfulness? It says, um, If his sons abandon my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their wrongdoing with a rod and their guilt with afflictions. Uh, but I will not withhold my favor from him, nor deal falsely in my faithfulness. 
I will not violate my covenant, nor will I also the utterance of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. So what is the faithfulness here of God in? Okay. Judge their sin. What'd you go with? I'm going to be a little more specific on that one. Don't know that one. Oh, the promise to David. Okay. Yeah. Look at the very middle there, though. I will punish their wrongdoings with a rod and their guilt with afflictions. He's going to discipline. Okay. Now we would think they're always judging, but look at the very next, but I will not withhold my favor from him. He's going to judge, or he's going to, in the end, judge everything, but here he's going to discipline, although he's not going to be like, all right, you're no longer in my, you know, good graces, you're not in my favor. He's still going to discipline. He's still going to be faithful to discipline us. Um, Yeah, he can strike them down and be done with it. But he doesn't. He disciplines them. Um, but nor will he deal falsely in my faithfulness. Um, not going to violate my covenant. Not going to cut them off. You know. But he is. there is consequences for sin and there is discipline for it. Um, just like as a parent. You're going to whip your kids, but you're not, you know, you do it because you love them. You know, you're not going to do it and say, all right, never mind. I'm done with you. So. A lot of good. A lot of good right there in that one. Um, let's see here. First Peter 4, 19. says, Therefore those also who suffer according to the will of God are to entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Um, when we trustfully resign ourselves and all our affairs into God's hands, fully persuaded of His love and faithfulness, the sooner shall we be satisfied with His providences and realize that He doeth all things well. You know, I, I jokingly, but not... Say, so I just stopped making plans because none of my plans, it never works out the way Cody thinks it's going to work out, so there's no need in Cody making plans. But I'm okay with that because God is faithful and I'm okay with whatever he comes up with for Cody's life. But that's what it is. I mean, I'm, I'm sure those are way better than whatever I've, I had planned. So I'm good with whatever his plans are. Because that can, those last, what, five words cannot be said about Cody. He doeth all things well. Not out beside my resume anywhere. Okay. But it is God's. So the sooner we can wrap our head around this a little bit more, the better off we're going to be and we'll be satisfied uh, more with God, which is the high... It's the high and holy living that you know, I keep repeating every week is that, hey, if we'll get a grasp of these things, it will change the way we live. 
and a high and holy living is one of being satisfied with God and, and His plans. Um, sorry, I got to go back here. I'm going forward. Yeah. So that, that's it on the faithfulness of God. Anybody got verses they want to share or examples of God's faithfulness? You don't have to be shy about these things. These are, these are those type testimonies that we need to have about God's faithfulness. I, I'm, I'm so bad that normally it comes in the form of money. Like I, That's where I see God's faithfulness the most, I guess. Probably because I always want to ha- try and have the most... Con- like I feel like that's the part that I need to control the most. Um, but, I mean, I'm never done without anything that I needed. And I don't know why I would ever think I, you know, I would. God's always going to be faithful. And with that big inheritance I'm going to get when my parents die, you know, I'm good, I'm set. All right, we'll move on to the goodness of God. Uh, and this, so that was all pretty much, like I said, almost word for word, everything in there was from A.W. Pink. I mean, that was, that chapter was, I really, I honestly thought about just getting up there with yeah, on my candle and just reading through it for y'all. Um, but this one, I kind of just took from, um, Stephen Lawson's, uh, I liked his uh, teaching on this one, on the goodness of God better. Um, but uh, here's a quote from Martin Luther that says, God the Father has not only given us all that we have and see before our eyes, but daily preserves and defends us against all evil and misfortune, averts all sorts of dangers and calamity, and that he does all this out of pure love and goodness, without our merit, as a benevolent father who cares for us, that no evil befalls us. And so I said, moving on kind of into the, the goodness of God. And this, uh, just like faithfulness, I don't think we sit down and really just meditate on this enough. Um, it would be good just to, I mean, almost three times a day to sit down and just say, you know, how is God doing it? And a lot of the ways we don't even know, like I said here, you know, those all sorts of dangers and calamities that we don't even know about. You know, the spiritual warfare that's going on that we don't even see that battle. Um, but it has nothing to do with us. It's all because of His goodness. Um, so... Here, this is going to talk about how God is good to all His creatures. Um, you know, we get so wrapped up in man, uh, but God's so much gooder than just being good to man. Uh, you know, He's good to all His creation. 
Uh, Matthew 6, 23 says, Look at the birds of the sky, uh, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? And a lot of these, you know, we would say, well, I don't know. But yeah, Christ died for us. We're definitely much more important than, uh, than the birds. But yeah, even those things he takes care of. Uh, and a lot of these verses are going to be straight up just verses that we've heard over and over and over again. But they're good to, to really sit down and think about. Um, Psalms 136, 25. Uh, who, give us, who gives food to all flesh for his faithfulness is everlasting? Uh, give thanks to the God of heaven for his faithfulness is everlasting. Uh, that faithful there faithfulness there is actually the hased of God, which means his loving kindness or his goodness. Um, it really, in the Hebrew, uh, there's not a lot of bunch of different words, and so sometimes it just gets translated as faithfulness, but it's really the goodness. Uh, his goodness is everlasting. Um, so all creatures. He gives food to all flesh. Um, Matthew uh, 5, uh, 45, um, so that you may prove yourselves to be sons of your Father who is in heaven, uh, for he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, Acts fourteen seventeen says, Yet he did not leave himself without witness, and that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your heart with food and gladness. So here, not only is he good to all creatures, but he's also good to unbelievers. Um, you know, there's a day that's coming that it's not going to be good, and his wrath will be poured out on them, but he is good to them even now. They get to experience blessings um, um, common graces uh, that um, everybody um, gets to experience those. And then I just put Psalm 73 there. It may be ones you want to uh, look at in the morning um, or before you go to bed at night, whatever. Um, just take a peek at that one. Um, Romans 8, 28 is the one that you know, we hear that one all the time. Um, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good of those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. So, you know, that would be obviously to the believer. God is obviously good, working things out to our good. Um, and Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Uh, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks asks or seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Uh, or what person is there among you, uh, when a son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, he will not give him uh, a snake, will he? <clears throat> so if you just so if you, despite being evil, uh, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven uh, give good things to those who ask Him? Um, I love and you, you go and look at some of the things that Jesus says, and you're like, man, that's offensive. He just called us evil. 
but he doesn't skip. I mean, I mean, it's just one of those things. You're evil, and you still give good gifts. How about a holy father that is faithful to a t, you know, complete goodness? How much more will he not give you if stinking sinners can be good to people? Think about how much better God's going to be. All right, and then we have Jeremiah twenty nine ten, but I, I I know that's well Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is the one that everybody knows. But I, I put it all on here to kind of keep it in context. Um, it says for this is what the Lord says: uh, when seventy years have been completed uh, for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Uh, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity and not for uh, disaster to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will let myself be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. A lot of times we think, oh, God just wants us to prosper and be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and all this type of stuff. But what was the whole purpose of this? What was the whole purpose of the prosperity? to bring them back to Him. And that was the whole purpose, for them to see the goodness of the Lord. And then you'll call upon me, and you'll pray to me. I'll listen to you. You'll seek me, and how about this? I'll let you find me. You know, once you see my goodness and you desire me, you have an earning or urge to come after me, I'll let that happen. And that's when I think... Really is what he's saying. That's when you're actually going to be prosperous. You know, I have that plan for you, but you're going to have to go through these things uh, so that you'll have a future and a hope. But um, you know, I don't. How many other verses and you know do we have in of God being good? Um, I would hate to. Look at how many times it's actually mentioned or discussed in Scripture and then think about how many times we actually give thought to it. Um, I know with me, at least, thinking about the faithfulness of God, I think about it as far as salvation goes and to the point of, hey, this is where my hope and confidence is in. Um, but I don't give a whole lot of other thought to it, especially in His goodness either. Uh, I just know it. I know He is, but I don't act in it. And that's what, you know, Pink said about faithfulness. You know, we're good with God being faithful, but how many times do we actually let that drive us uh, in our decision-making or in our, well, in our being and in our doing? Um, these are things I feel like we... Um, I, like I said, we're just kind of touching... We're just the tip of the icebergs here. Um, I hope whenever the kids are going through this stuff in the next quarter, I know we're not um, 
going to spend as much time as we did on Wednesday night on each one of them. It's going to be a little bit more uh, condensed, I guess. But hopefully as parents and people in the church that are going to be um, teaching the kids will actually sit down and really think about these things. Like It's not good. I mean, it's good to sit up here and go through Scripture, absolutely. But that's only the head knowledge part of it. We really need to be sitting down and meditating on these things um, and making it personal to us. You know, of what, how, you know, you sit back and you realize how God's been faithful to you. You know, almost be good to sit down with just a timeline and just go back and say, I remember this. I remember this. And all that is just a testimony to God and His faithfulness and His goodness. And then whenever we start getting down or something, go back. Look, I mean, I've got all of these examples of Christ or of God being faithful, taking care of us. And yet here I am being stupid, thinking I've got something to worry about. You know. Um, and it's easy. I mean, I know it's easy. That's the reason why. I know it would be good to sit back and go back and look at all those top things um, because it's easy to sit back and woe is me type deal. Um, anybody got anything on goodness of God or faithfulness of God?